Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Your baby seems to cry a lot. She also spends a lot of time moving, grunting, and cooing. Maybe she is trying to communicate what is going on in her tiny little body, but you don't understand what. Is there a way to decode your baby's body language? Does this baby come with a user manual? Help! This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here! So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop? Seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online, on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their baby's first year. I'm your host, Kristen Stratton, certified birth doula, postpartum doula, and owner of Indu Season Doula Services. If you haven't already, be sure to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to our show through iTunes, so you'll automatically get new episodes when they're released. Here's Sunny with details on how you can get involved with newbies. All right. Hi, everybody. So I want to promote a segment that I really want more listeners to get involved with. I think it's such a fun segment. And I don't know if you guys are a little shy to do this, but I'm going to plug it anyway. And that is our segment. It's called Five Minute Birth Story. So we as moms, we love to share a birth story. Let's just face it. We'll tell anyone that will listen, right? So this is your platform to tell us your birth story. And I'm going to be pretty specific about this. Usually I'm like, you can email us or you can do it. You can reach out through Facebook. I'm going to be more specific and say, go to our website, click on the banner on the side of each page that says submit voicemail, because I want you to tell your story. It just doesn't mean as much if Kristen reads it or I read it. So we really want to hear what you have to say. But here's the trick. It's called five minute birth stories because you have to tell your birth story in five minutes or less. So I think it's good. It doesn't have to be this, you know, perfect story of how everything turned out the way you had it on your birth plan. Like that's not what we're trying to do here. We are trying to give people, other moms and dads perspectives on what happened and just to share the experience overall. So if you're interested, you know what to do now. Go to our website, click on that banner. You can use the microphone on your computer and send it over that way and we'll use it in a future show. (coughs) Sounds familiar? (coughs) If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. 
help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Okay, so before we dive into our conversation today, we are going to talk about a news headline. A state, Indiana actually, has installed what they are calling safe haven baby boxes for abandoned newborns. You may have heard of the safe haven laws out there that allow you to, if, if you don't want your baby, after you have your baby, you can take them to safe havens, like you've heard of, you know, fire stations being one. And this is a way to actually, you know, make the environment that you put your baby in more safe. So you, you know, you're not like trying to time it out for when, you know, you see someone walking or something like that. You know, it's a safe haven. That's a great, you know, definition for it. So there are these boxes that have been installed and one was installed at an Indiana fire station. They're calling that the first baby box that was installed. And again, the idea is to just keep babies safe, to allow parents that don't want their babies an easy way to keep the baby safe and then, you know, let the baby go to another family that really wants a baby. And anyways, just kind of wanted to, I've never heard of these boxes before. This is the first time that I'm hearing about any of this. So I want to check in with Kristen and then also with Nina, our expert today, just to see what you guys think about this. You're in the profession and uh, deal with babies all the time. What were your first thoughts in all of this? So Kristen, let's start with you. Well, the first time I had ever heard of this, there was an article that came out and I think the box originated in China. And I thought, oh, well, you know, that's a lot better than some of the other stories I hear in the news about other places people have left their newborns that perhaps they didn't want. So, I mean, it's unfortunate that we have women that feel like they have no other choice other than to do that. But, I mean, I'd much rather read in the news that, you know, a baby was safely rescued from one of these boxes and it's going to be placed in a good home versus, you know, they found a baby that died because it was in a trash can. So um, I, I wish we could give women better support so they didn't feel like they had to use these at all. But I would prefer that we give them a safe option because I think that's an act of love when these moms feel like they're desperate and they have nothing else to do. And it's it's better than some of the alternatives. So... Well, let's talk about the box here just for a second, because there may be a lot of questions about what kind of box are we putting these babies in? So yes, it is it's a, not a cardboard box. It is not a cardboard box. And that's what I had in my head when Kristen, you first told me about this. So this image uh, for this article, and we'll post it on our Facebook page so you can check it out. But it looks like it's actually built into the side of a building. I, and this is such a horrible comparison. But you guys, it reminded me of like, if you go to the post office, something that's like automatic that you kind of pull down, put something in and then shut. But it's actually part of a building. That's what it kind of reminds me of. And in the inside, though, it's much different. Okay. It has some motion sensors. There's one that's triggered when you open it and it calls 911 after detecting any kind of motion of it opening it. And then once it detects movement inside after the box has been shut, then there's another sensor that goes off and again alerts the right people. And the goal is to alert fire, medical, people like that that can initially help with this and then take the child to a local hospital for evaluation and then have, you know, different services take over after. 
after that. So Nina, tell me what you think about this and working with babies all the time. Yeah, um, I completely agree, agree with what Kristen said. It is unfortunate that, you know, women sometimes feel that they're not in the position to be able to keep their baby. And, you know, like it says in the article about the safe haven rights, some women don't even feel comfortable enough to be able to say, you know what, I'd like to invoke my safe haven rights and I do not want to have this baby. So this is just an opportunity for those women to do it anonymously and to do it safely. And, you know, their child gets into the right hands and everything is as discreet as possible. So um, I really love this, that this is available to the women in Indiana. So yeah, we'll see kind of what happens from here and if there's any women that take advantage of this opportunity. You know, the mom that actually created this nonprofit that's doing these boxes, it says she's a volunteer firefighter and she was actually abandoned as a baby. So this really, you know, it's based on someone who's been there, done that. And I actually think that gives a lot of credit to the product overall because she knows what's, you know, what that's like. She may even have a story about how difficult it was for people to find her, you know, so she realizes there's a problem out there and she's trying to fix it and um, help these babies as much as possible. So again, we'll post the link on our social media, check it out and let us know what you think. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Today we are learning all about your baby's body language and what she is really saying. Our expert today is co-founder and CEO of Baby Chick, Nina Spears. Thank you for joining us today, Nina, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Kristen. I'm excited to be here. Nina, we have a lot of parents that think baby is only communicating when he cries. Are there nonverbal ways babies communicate their needs? Absolutely. As a postpartum doula, I am constantly telling families that they need to start looking for cues that their baby is giving them. So paying attention to their body language and facial expressions um, is a big part to, you know, meeting your baby's needs before they start going to their crying. So after a while, moms start learning uh, the different, you know, cues what that their baby is giving and noticing that, oh, they do these things when they're tired or hungry or hurting, et cetera. So learning those cues before resulting into crying is usually the best way to go because, you know, your baby's telling you what they need. And by you meeting those needs before they go to a cry means that you're really listening uh, to them. So, so yeah, definitely. So really start paying attention to that body language and facial expressions. They'll, they'll let you know what they're needing beforehand. And can you explain Dunstan baby language and how that method helps us to understand baby's different cries? Yes. So a lot of people have heard of this in the past, but many people don't know about the Dunstan baby language. There's a claim about infantile vocal reflexes as signals in humans. So this claim is that it's across all cultures and linguistic groups that there are five sounds and each each of those sounds have a different meaning that are used by inference before the language acquisition period. So the hypothesis was uh, developed by a former opera soprano singer from Australia. 
Her name's Priscilla Dunstan, and her method has been featured on so many different sites and shows. It was even featured on the Oprah Winfrey show because, you know, all parents want to know what their baby is trying to communicate to them. And she was really showing that there are some different signals and sounds that you can hear before um, a baby starts going to their aggressive cry. (laughs) So then that would mean that there's a difference in the sound and the pitch, meaning that that would be significant in understanding. Yes, absolutely. So according to, you know, that Dunstant method, she claims that between zero and three months of age, infants make what we call sound reflexes. And she believes that we all have reflexes like sneezing, hiccuping, burping, those kind of things, and that they all have recognizable pattern when sound is added to that reflex. So there are several reflexes that all babies experience. And when sound is added to these, a distinct preemptive cry will occur um, before the baby, you know, breaks out into what we refer to as like that hysterical crying. So Denston states that, you know, these preemptive cries can indicate what the baby requires, like food, comfort, sleep, etc. And that these cries then escalate to that hysterical cry if they're not answered. So as the infant matures past three months in vocalization, the sound reflexes become replaced with more like elaborate babbling. But I would like to state, though, that, you know, these claims like the Dunstan baby language has not been scientifically validated. But personally, I've worked with a lot of families, hundreds of families um, as a postpartum doula, and they have said that, you know, using that method along with like happiest baby on the block and other methods have really helped them understand and bond more with their baby. So now that we know that there might be a significant difference, is there a way to decode what these different cries mean? Yes. So kind of like what I was stating before, these different cries, they have different like pitches and different reflexes. So at least with the Dunstan method, she says that there are certain sounds that the baby makes before the cry is made. So some of those sounds being like heh and neh and it's kind of hard to describe, but there are some different ways to kind of decode those cries and listening to those as well as paying attention to your baby's body language. You'll really learn what your baby's trying to communicate with you before it kind of goes to that hysterical cry. Sunny, do you remember trying to figure out what your baby was trying to communicate to you when, you know, you first brought your baby home? I did a little bit of it, I would say. In fact, I actually had the Dunstan baby language, what you guys were talking about in the beginning, with my first. I think when when you have your first baby, you have a lot more questions and probably even a lot more time to try to, to dissect. <laughs> what your baby is going through. I think a lot of that becomes a little bit more innate the more kids you have. So I really have to kind of compare this to what I did with my first child. And we had actually done an episode, not for this show, but another show I was working on about the Dunstan baby language. And I remember kind of going through and going, oh, you know, is that the cry my child is making or is it this? And I actually recorded some of what my son was doing to play it for our expert. Because oh, I was funny. trying, I was trying to figure it out. I have to be honest. Maybe I, 
maybe there's just something wrong with my hearing. I don't know. But I have a very hard time distinguishing between the different cries. Like something that I thought sounded exactly the same. The expert looked at it and was like, oh, yeah, did you hear how your baby did this? I'm like, it sounds the same to me. I didn't. So it's kind of a struggle for me. And I think that kind of made me think that maybe I wasn't as in tune (laughs) with trying to figure this stuff out. I'm fascinated by it. And then I think the more kids I had, the more it just, like I said, it was more innate and I kind of figured it out or they were rubbing their eyes at the same time they were giving me a cry. So I'm like, okay, yeah, she's obviously tired, right? So I think I started to pick up on some other cues, but I definitely think it would have been helpful from you know the very beginning to, to understand this much better. Yeah, I remember, I think I did watch it on Oprah, actually, now that you mention it. And I remember my mom made me this list on like a little three by five card. And it was like, hungry, wet, tired, you know, overstimulated, (laughs) you know, needs to eat or, you know, it was all these things to go through the list in case the baby was crying. And I, you know, was like, I did this. What else do you need? So I actually do remember kind of trying to figure that out. But at the same time, sometimes, I think I was overthinking it, you know, so it's it's such a journey, especially with that first baby. That first baby is such the experimental kid. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> daughter. <laughs> so, you so know, you're, and you know what's funny is even if you know all this stuff, the sleep deprivation yeah. is it's like makes that thinking part of your brain so difficult to access. This is why postpartum doulas are a godsend because or, or just even someone who can look at you and say, okay, no, it's okay. Let's try this. Because <laughs> I knew so much about babies, or at least I thought I did. And then I had <laughs> mine. And I was like, I've never been this tired. The struggle is real, Kristen. The Ever. struggle is real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, the, you're like the perfect parent until you have kids. So. Exactly. So, I mean, it's good to have this information. So I hope that the moms listening to this are like, oh, okay, these are, oh, I can actually check for things. I'm not just going crazy. So there is hope. Don't fret. New moms, don't fret. (laughs) All right. Well, when we come back, we will continue our discussion on decoding your baby's cries. We'll be right back. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome back to the show. We are continuing our discussion with Nina Spears. So Nina, what would a hungry cry look and sound like? Yes. Uh, when a baby is trying to communicate that, you know, they're hungry, it normally first sounds and starts with, you know, baby rooting around as if they're looking for the breast or a bottle. Um, they're, they're wiggly. Um, they're putting their hands in their mouth and they start to begin to get frantic. Um, you can usually tell that their lips are also like moving up and down as if they're trying to suckle on something. But a hungry cry normally sounds high-pitched, and it sounds fairly desperate and quite unrelenting. And it's obvious if uh, the child, you know, hasn't been fed and it's been like maybe an hour and a half to three hours ago since the last feeding, um, you can kind of tell, okay, it has been a little bit of baby's cry is not stopping. My little one's probably hungry. 
And I know some of those hunger cues can be really subtle too. So I work as a postpartum doula. And so a big part when I have done overnight work is really paying attention to those subtle cues. Um, As moms, your mama bear instincts kind of kick in and you hear the tiniest whimper or even when they move, you may have been like the heaviest sleeper beforehand, but afterwards you notice everything that your baby is doing. And you'll notice that when your baby is kind of wiggling around and kind of gnawing on its hand, that's the time when you should be, you know, getting up, getting comfortable and getting ready to put baby on the breast or get that bottle ready. So you can kind of say, Hey baby, I'm paying attention to your, your body language and what you're trying to communicate with me before you get into a tizzy. <laughs> a tizzy. <I> yes. like <laughs> so what about when they're tired? What does a tired baby look and sound like? Yes. Uh, it usually starts off as like a breathy, helpless cry, like, eh, eh, <laughs> I, I'm not a very good, you know, example of what it sounds like, but it will start and then stop. And it's usually more easily soothed than others um, because they are tired. And if that is, if they're not too tired, if they're full blown exhausted, you know, th- those tears are going to be coming out. But this is also, you need to start looking for some other cues, kind of like what Sunny was saying before. If they're rubbing their eyes, if they have, you know, glassy eyes or redness or puffiness underneath their eyes, if their eyelids are getting heavier, those are just some cues that you should also be looking for um, when they're getting kind of that breathy, helpless, um, you know, it's kind of pathetic cry. <laughs> Poor things. That is actually something that all my kids, I, that was my telltale sign is that they would get that little like reddish purple underneath their eyes. And I'm like, all right, that's it. I don't care how much you protest. You're sleeping now. <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is interesting. You do learn those things over time. You don't immediately notice because every child's unique, but those are really important to know that those are all the possibilities. Okay. So what about when they're in pain? It's so sad. What does a pain cry sound like? And is it different than a gassy, I'm uncomfortable cry? Yes. When a child is in pain, that cry is piercing. (laughs) It is, you know, immediately any mom, you know, okay, that is not a normal cry. My child is hurting. They normally will arch their back and thrash themselves around if they're a newborn and in pain. But if they're gassy, they normally are bringing their knees closer to their chest. They're scrunching their face. They're grunting with their cry um, if it's a gassy cry. So there's definitely um, a difference. Their face will also become red (laughs) whenever they're gassy. Maybe they're trying to like push and relieve some of that, you know, tummy pain. So again, with a, a pain cry, it is pretty piercing. Whereas the other one, it's grunty and it's hard to describe when I'm not making kind of pathetic sounds over <laughs> over the, the speaker. <laughs> yeah, no, they are. You, they're definitely grunty. Yeah. And you can see that it looks like they're always trying to have a bowel movement, but yes. you know, it's kind of stuck yeah. and it's just the most sad thing. You just feel like, how can I help you? I know. So that's why I say when it's like a pain cry, they normally are stiffening up and arching their back and it's a piercing noise. Whereas a gassy is more of like scrunching together, getting, uh, you know, curling up into a ball, trying to relieve that tummy ache. So those are also some nonverbal cues that, you know, parents can look for. And what would be the differences between a cry or body language between a baby who's bored or when they're overstimulated? 
Yes. A bored cry will immediately be soothed because, you know, if normally if they're bored, it's no one's holding them or playing with them. So th- they'll immediately be soothed as soon as you go to your baby and pick up your child. Um, they're easily, you know, pacified. But if a baby is overstimulated, they normally turn away from the person or object that is overstimulating them. So um, if you're trying to say like, hi, baby, and looking right in their face and they keep turning away, that's kind of a sign that like, whoa, mama, back up. It's this is too much. <laughs> I'm I'm taking everything in and I, it's too much for me. So they'll keep turning their face away. They also arch their back um, for that. But if it does become a cry, it's not as loud as the other cries, but an overstimulated cry can escalate to shrieking, which is definitely not fun. But again, overstimulation really look for if your baby is turning away from the object kind of they'll also put their hands out and kind of almost give you the sign of like stop this is too much for me to handle so if they're throwing their hands kind of up and turning away that's an definitely overstimulating they need to kind of get back to the basics <laughs> Yeah, that was usually my sign to, okay, let's turn off the lights, let's turn off any sound source, let's just, you know, hold you tight, maybe nurse you. Exactly. Let you chill out because I know I, as an adult, get overstimulated too. And parents, I think they don't realize that, you know, everything in this world is brand new to them. So that babies are fascinated by just looking at your face, but then adding scent and, you know, the different facial expressions and the flexion of your voice and all of that can sometimes be overstimulating, especially if it's a new person that they've never met. Um, on top of, you know, maybe there's a toy that the, ba- you know, the person's holding up with them and ma- that makes a noise and that's bright colors, yeah, their eyes and ears and everything is adjusting. So it can be a lot for them to digest. And Nina, what about babies who have colic and seem to cry no matter what you do? Oh, yeah. Those... Those babies with colic, it can be really, really tough. And, you know, 20% of babies do suffer from colic. So I try to tell families, you are not the only one going through this. And if people aren't sure, you know, what colic is, it's it's when your baby is crying for three or more hours a day, several days and nights out of the week. It is during the first three months of life. So I also try to tell parents that this is temporary. This will get better. Um, if this isn't your forever, I promise. But whenever I have been working with families that have a colicky baby, I normally use a lot of the happiest baby on the block tips. And those are like the five S's. So swaddle, swinging, shushing, sucking, and sideline or stomach. So using those things to really kind of help and soothe um, your baby um, is definitely helpful. Maybe even using, if you can't shush the whole time, using some white noise. You know, it does it does get better over time, though. I survived three colicky babies. Oh, my gosh. You're a <laughs> I know. I hit the jackpot. Uh, <laughs> and then my with my oldest, my husband was deployed. He left when she was like four weeks old. So I was like, oh, yay, I get to do this by myself. And then my least colicky baby was my middle son, but he was still really colic for about probably about a month and a half, two months. And then I actually figured out some trigger foods in my breast milk and we were able to put that away. But then my youngest, holy cow, that kid screamed for months. I mean, even beyond the normal three months, he screamed 
hours. And I remember actually one of, we were in military housing at the time, so we shared a wall. And I remember one of my neighbors texting me in the middle of the night. She's like, do you need help? Uh, because my my husband again was gone. And I was like, I don't know what to do. So actually, you know what I figured out worked was just going outside. Yes. Outside. I don't know what it is, but just taking your baby outside. I think the fresh air, there's something about it that babies immediately calm down. That works. So hang in there, moms. It does get better. Thank you so much, Nina, for being on our show today. And for our Newbies Club members, this conversation will continue after the end of the show as Nina will share with us about her business, Baby Chick. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Okay, so before we wrap up our show today, we have a segment that we talk about a lot on Newbies. It's called Baby Oops, and we love this segment because it just makes us all feel a little bit more normal in the whole process of raising children. And it's where you tell us your favorite memorable moments in raising your baby and all the oops that you went through. And so this comes from Rebecca, and Rebecca sent this in via email. She says... I feel almost dumb for admitting this, but with my second son, we were up in the hospital all night with him crying, trying to figure out why he wouldn't stop crying. I would try to nurse him, and he wasn't interested, and we would talk to him soothingly and do all that kind of stuff. And then my husband stood up to walk with him, and he let out a little burp, and both my husband and I went Duh, we forgot to burp him. So for some reason, in between our first and second babies, we have forgotten that they needed to burp. Isn't that horrible? The poor baby had a belly ache. And the thing I find humorous about this is my friend did the same thing in between her first and second babies. Ha ha. At least I'm not the only one. So talking about signs and stuff like that and looking for your baby, we have this like mental checklist, right? We, we run through all of this stuff. And sometimes, sometimes it's the simplest stuff, right? <laughs> forget that, oh yeah, baby needs burped. Even experienced moms go through this too, right? So, Rebecca, thanks so much for sending this in. And if you're listening and you have a baby oops, we would love to hear it. You can go to our website at newmommymedia.com. You could click on the contact link. Send it to us that way. You can go to our Facebook page. uh, And you can also share your story yourself. I mentioned this at the beginning of the show through the voicemail on newmommymedia.com. So anyway, is great. And we'd love to share your story on a future show. All right, that wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, the boob group for moms who give breast milk to their babies, and Twin Talks for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. 
If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.